And welcome back to another wild and crazy, but not over-the-top zany episode of Comics and Pop-Tarts, podcast channel that discusses comics and all things comic-y with you and other creators throughout the industry. I'm your host, Inevitable Mike. If you're listening, then you're the reason I do this show. So thank you so much for tuning back in. Tonight's live read is brought to you and sponsored by Ink Pub, our Ink Studios LLC, the marketing arm behind so many creative projects, like the one brought to us by Evolution Publishing. Lafay Volume 1 brings you an action-packed story with an epic cast of characters, the greatest fantasy known as King Arthur. Lafay Volume 1 is an Arthurian legend reimagined into a modern world setting with dangerous new stakes and even deadlier new tables. Remember to like, subscribe, turn on notifications, and share us out when you can. It's definitely uh, helpful uh, getting the word out for the podcast on social media and abroad. It also helps curate amazing guests like tonight's awesome new up-and-coming creator who isn't completely new to comics, but his uh his project is uh, Mr. Alan Johnson. Thank you so much for joining the show. Now, for those of you who don't know Alan Johnson, he attended Odessa College, uh, then transferred. Uh, no, that's that's a different bio. Well, anyway, Alan's going to tell us a little bit more about himself. Welcome, Alan, to the show. Thanks for coming, man. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Michael. Um, yeah, so, you know, I uh, first started creating in, uh, you know, I would say, like, as an actual like endeavor in uh, about 2014, I started a uh, independent film production company. Um, I started getting involved with a lot of local film projects, creating my own projects. Um, And for that, you know, we did that for about four years or so. And, you know, the whole time, the whole process that I really liked throughout it all was, you know, the writing and creating, you know, what was going to be seen on the screen. And, I had a couple concepts such as uh, Kajar and Kajaria, which was my first, you know, endeavor into comics, uh, which was kind of this high fantasy story about a character who inherits animal traits and stuff like that. And when I was writing the script as a film, I decided, you know, I I was never going to be able to find the budget in time and everything like that. So I wanted to find a more controllable way to kind of, bring it out into the world still so that's when i decided on comics and i fell in love with that process so started getting involved with you know a lot of local uh, facebook groups and stuff like that about comics and supporting indie comics and stuff like that and i really kind of observed for like a good year or so before i actually started like networking or anything like that just because i wanted a better understanding of, you know, certain things because, you know, I was coming from the film industry and it's an entire different ballpark in a sense. So I wanted to make sure I wasn't, you know, stepping on any toes or anything like that before I got involved, like fully as like an actual thing that I was geared towards doing. Um, And, you know, I started doing a couple streams here and there and networking with a couple people and seeing all these great projects that everybody was doing. And I really wanted to work with some of these people and I didn't see, or perhaps, you know, know of an opportunity, boys. Um, I didn't see or know of an opportunity to do so. So I decided I would try to create one myself. And that's where Kaiju mania comes into play. 
Um, essentially, what Kaiju Mania is, is an, an anthology of four different stories where each story focuses on a different kaiju and each one was created by a different writer um, and, you know, different illustrator, etc. Um, and basically, each story is tied together by a UFO traveling through the comic as you're reading it and collecting the monsters from each story to eventually put them together in like a WrestleMania style fight to the death type thing in an intergalactic tournament, which we are calling Kaiju Mania, hence the title. Um, so really yeah, funny. it's reminiscent of like Mortal Kombat. Or like yeah, God, yeah, exactly. Like, like you know, each one's selected life. from a different realm and everything. Like for instance, yeah. my monster is actually plucked from a kid's imagination. So that just goes to speak to what the aliens can do with all their technology and stuff. That's a pretty high concept evolutionary type stuff right there. I recall the night we spoke on the phone, I mentioned uh, the DreamWorks animated film Rumble. And you told me a funny story about how you almost shelved the Kaiju Mania project because of the uncanny resemblance to the concept that you had had. And I'm sure with like games like films and like uh, Rampage and Godzilla and King Kong and even like Pacific Rim, the animated series and the, and the movie. I'm sure with games and films like that, an imposter situation kind of maybe set in. Uh, what do you feel separated you from those franchises? What made you change your mind from shelving the idea versus, you know, bringing something that might already be popular? Well, for one, you know, those properties exist, yes, but the property of kaiju mania doesn't exist yet and so that alone sets it aside um and like i said i really wanted to work with some of these creators and stuff like that and i figured if i could hire them and get them all involved in the project then you know i'd be working with them so in a roundabout way it was like well i could either shelve the idea and just let it die or i could actually just try to you know see where i could take it and Eventually, I just was like, you know, you just got to kind of roll the dice a little bit. Oh, absolutely. Every endeavor is kind of a, an endeavor of chance, really. What was the what's the biggest obstacle you faced with producing Kaiju Mania? Collaborating is a huge undertaking with names like Travis Gibb and Chris McAuley and even Phil Leon. I, I can't imagine it wasn't it was it was very easy. No, it was definitely both intimidating and nerve-wracking because, for one, I'm working with all these people who have been doing this for quite some time. So I didn't want to, you know, off-put them by being a novice or anything. Um, But I felt like leaving them the creative control for their stories and just trusting the bigger picture would eventually be met through everybody's own creative endeavors was the ultimate goal because eventually what I want to do with Kaiju Mania, especially if, you know, we're successful with this first one, is open the door for the next issue to house from different creators and stuff and let them take the ranks. So basically we can kind of keep this momentum going and create opportunities for other creators and we'll, you know, I'll fall back and let them just completely do with what, they want to do with the property and kind of see where it goes in that sense. Cause I feel like it could be a really good wheel for a lot of upcoming creators to get involved with a project and stuff like that and network and work together with people and kind of create that, you know, community sense behind the project. And that was 
ultimately the super big goal of Kaiju Mania was if it was successful, you know, why not try and make it successful for the next round of creators and just kind of repeat that process with the property. Um, and so the biggest obstacle I would say to, to fully answer your question was just kind of not letting my, my need to be involved. Cause you can ask any of the people involved. I'm, I'm kind of more commutative than than most people. Like I, I check in with you a lot just to see how things are going. I'm not necessarily trying to rush you or anything because I understand, you know, this is an art. It takes time. But at the same time, I feel like if we communicate and everybody's on the same page, but it, but working because obviously we're all working remotely because we live in different states and stuff like that. Right. Um, so it was kind of like, you know, an experiment in a sense. And just being able to trust that it would eventually lead to what we all want, which is the comic book. Right. Um, yeah. That's uh it's it's like I said, collaboration is an undertaking and requires like a lot of communication. Um, people put like people put pitches and collaboration hierarchy of pedestal within the industry, whether it be film or, or whether it be comics or something of the entertainment nature, um, because of, I guess, the humility that's involved of uh, standing in front of somebody and pitching an idea that you think is going to be great and having to live up to all these marketing expectations that have evolved over the last 50 years, since the 60s and 70s, since marketing you know transformed into the machine it is today. What, um, what could you speak to as a person who is, you know, who has just finished, like you haven't reached the finish line yet. Kaiju Mania still needs a little ways to go, but for the most part, it's there. And you've, you've got everything laid out and you've presented it to all the fans and all the comic book readers out there. Can you speak to like any type of maybe like imposter syndrome or hangups or like you said, trust? Um, you having to trust other people was it a was it an exuberant experience or would you say it was was one that you had to push yourself to do i mean how do, how do you how would you dispel the rumors that usually stops people from being like hey i got a great idea what do you think about this like you said you were intimidated by you know by some of the creators that are on the projects because they've been doing this you know for a long time like orange cone productions and chris mccauley and Philion and, and a bunch of other creators who have worked either with these creators or abroad in the industry that's a really good question um you know I, i'll be the first to admit i don't know everything when it comes to comic books um and you know i do have a good sense of creating and right. that's where I shine. Um, and I can guarantee you that I'm going to do everything in my power to create a good story. Right. Um, and ultimately that's what I work for is to tell a good story. And so, you know, whether we fail with this project or, you know, it, 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 it succeeds, it was still worth it to try. Right. Um, and as far as, you know, imposter syndrome or anything like that, you know, it, it takes a village to make something. We all know that. Um, and, you know, nobody's better than anybody. We all have our different 
you know, expertise and creative talents and stuff like that. And ultimately what makes this project unique is the ability to allow everybody to be the best versions of themselves and shine on the page. And that is the entire point of the project. So ultimately, you know, whether there's rumors or not, it's like we're we're doing this and whether we fail or not, we're gonna we're gonna take it to where we can take it. Right. And we're gonna do everything we can on our end to deliver a good story. Absolutely. And that's that's what every every comic book campaign uh, should strive to do. And every comic in fact should strive to do is tell a great story. And it's it's a really interesting one. I'm uh, I'm curious though. Let's talk about this for a minute. So, Kaiju Mania is these four stories, right? This is a very unique anthology because anthologies are usually are usually more stories than four, but it's it's specific, and this probably has to do with budget and um, time and mostly budget. But it's four stories connected in one giant character or one one giant plot arc, right? Yeah, and you would be correct in assuming it was budget because yeah, like it was definitely more expensive than i had anticipated when i started like you know roundabout hiring just like mm-hmm. kind of secretly before the project was out there yeah um so yeah and that was necessary though because it, it teaches me what i need to know to do it again in the future and be successful that much more in the future with it yeah because ultimately what I want to do with eighth world comics is make it an all inclusive space where people can come and collaborate and create together and put out some good stories. Absolutely. Um, we'll, 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 I'm, I'm going to show that for a minute. We're going to talk about eighth world comics. So um, your previous title was the first title you ever made. Was that the original, like, introduction to eighth world comics and and uh does eighth world comics have kind of like have like a message um you know kind of like image has their own specific type of comics that they do uh i know that dynamite has a specific amount of comics that they do some of them are horror oriented like dark horse um eighth world like eight wonders of the world seems like um, you're out to do like giant stories or maybe extravagant um, highlights of unique types of stories that have like epic proportions, like epic fantasies or maybe like world ending things, something that would uh, something that needs like, I guess an, an extra microscope to shine a light on what I mean. Yeah. That's actually a real driving focus of eighth world. The, the, the biggest thing with eighth world is because the, the true thing that I'm doing in all my endeavors is building what's called the foundation. And what that is, is basically it is, it started as the idea for a nonprofit organization that basically would assist people that are pursuing any sort of passion or dream with tools, resources, and connections to people who have already been through the ringer in that area of expertise and can actually give them real-time feedback and, you know, kind of coach them and mentor them in a way that sets them up for success. So it was important for me to get experience in all these, you know, aspects of, you know, dream chasing. Um, You know, that's why I started the film production company. That's why 
you know, I started Eighth World Comics. That's why, you know, I'm starting to do this thing with music where I've connected with a couple of people local where I'm paying for artists to get in there and record their music and have right. it mixed and mastered and make a track and get them the opportunity to get their music like seen a little bit more um, because we want to create divisions that, you know, a tier towards certain aspects of everything. So with eighth world, you know, Kajar and Kajaria's story focuses on, you know, a character that's going up against these poachers that are trying to like take over the world by like, you know, allowing the rich and powerful to hunt people that disagree with them and stuff like that. And so that kind of, you know, shines a light into the world of poaching a little bit in a roundabout way, but also tells a story. Um, And with Kaiju Mania, it's more about just creating opportunity. The, The vehicle became Kaiju just because it was, you know, I was writing a script and was like, huh, this is going well. I should try to figure out how I can get some other people involved with this. And so that's when I started trying to do the anthology and ran into the budget issue because I wanted to try my best to have everybody paid up in full before we got too involved in the Kickstarter, which, you know, as much as I tried, I still owe a couple people, which I'm going to handle here in the next week. Right. Um, but it's just like, you know, it's slowly putting pieces and building blocks into place and testing the the waters a little bit and seeing what you can do before you can come in and show somebody how to do it. Right. And, and so that's one of the driving focuses behind eighth world is making somewhat of an express lane for new creators to come in and throw something under, under eighth world to kind of get a foothold into the door of the industry. Is that just for comics or, or are you talking about like, multimedia like music and film multimedia right now every everything has a different brand like for instance inspire one productions is our film division eighth world comics is our comics um and we're slowly working on that stuff um because it's all been like i said a process of trial and error and seeing what works and what doesn't work and I've basically just created a manifesto that I can start to actually like fine tune and actually put and present in a way that can actually stand to do the ultimate goal of the foundation, which is help people achieve their dreams. Okay. As a non for profit, right? Yeah. Um, do you have a website? Uh, we used to, but. Uh, I fell back from the nonprofit for a while because a friend of mine was murdered and I just kind of needed to take a time out and rediscover myself a little bit, but now I'm back to it and going full force into things slowly, but surely as I, you know, network a little bit more and create more opportunities for myself, I kind of just throw the ladder down as much as I can or the rope rather Okay, that's awesome, man. What an inspiring story to come back from something like that and kick your inspiration and creativity into overdrive. Uh, know exactly how you feel. I had a mom who passed away last year. So um, there was a point in the podcast 
where I, towards the November or kind of like around when it happened where I was like, do I still want to keep doing this? Is it worth it? People will understand, but at the same time, I had built so much from like August of that year up until the end of the year. Um, what would my mom really want? And, and I, like an, a self-inflection, uh, reflection kind of moment. I was just like, she would, she would want me to be successful as much as possible. So I like muster up the creative energy to keep going. And I put some of that stuff on the back burner. I, I deal with it in moments of, uh, and, and, and solitude, but, uh, that's, yeah, that's it's all. tough to even get those times these days. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But I've 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 expressed my feelings towards you know any type of anger or sadness of like her passing in my creative work. So like I started a, a grief novel that's probably going to be between twenty and thirty thousand pages. It's got a few interviews and then some of my own like simple thoughts, kind of like help people with the grieving process without turning it into an informative psychological book written by, you know, PhDs who, you know, might have experienced loss, but who don't empathize with it because high intellects who come from universities, um, prestigious universities, in my opinion, while they express intelligence, intelligence doesn't always um, recognize emotion. And so they lack a lot of empathy in that way because their reasoning is more logic. So I started a grief book in honor of my mom to kind of help others who might be experiencing the same way who don't want somebody with a PhD to describe how they should probably be dealing with it. And right. probably it's more closer to the belt. So I've, ex I've expressed, you know, all that stuff in that way. And like escapism, like total comics itself is, is basically a lot of that. If anybody remembers like Iron, Iron Man from back in the day, one of his most prophetic runs as Iron Man was being an alcoholic and how he kind of dealt with that. And that was, that was, uh, in relation to the writer who at the time was going through a divorce and was struggling with those same things or had struggled with those same things before, which I ended up doing really great for the Iron Man series and in that time period. And it's still talked about to this day. So it's, uh, it's always, it's always a, a cool thing to watch how people deduce tragedy in their lives and come up with like creative ways to express it outwardly, whether it be through art, music or writing uh, or anything of like sculpturing or, um, or even weightlifters, a lot of weightlifters out there, power lifters, they do that stuff because they're angry or they're sad or some, some tragic moment in their life. They've kind of like relived over and over and over, kind of can't get through it. And that's just kind of how they deal with it. It's always been pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what I kind of uh, tiered the foundation saying to is, you know, dream to inspire, inspire to dream. And ultimately what that means is, you know, by, by doing the thing that calls to your heart that, you know, every time you do it, every time you're in the process of doing it, you just get that little bit of exciting. Like you feel like a kid inside, basically, you know, you're putting yourself in a position to actually receive what's out there for you. And, and when you do that, you inspire other people to, to do the things that they want to do. And so basically the whole mentality behind it is, you know, by inspiring somebody, you do the best thing you can do for someone because they go on to inspire somebody else. And right. then they go on to inspire somebody else. And it just kind of repeats that process. And and if the whole world could could 
I mean, obviously, it's unrealistic to put the whole world in that spe- spectrum. But yeah. if, you know, we could all diligently work towards doing a little more of what we want to do compared to, you know, what we have to do to get by. I believe personally the world would be a better place. Oh, absolutely. That used to be uh, that actually used to be Disney's motto, right? Wish upon a star. And, you know, the world is, you know, the way it is. You have to do certain things you don't like in order to fund things that you'd rather do until that, you know, dream comes true. And then the the sad truth, and I'm sorry if I'm breaking anybody's hearts, is is that comics, the entertainment industry, including acting, music especially, is so oversaturated with artists and creators that it is actually competitive. And it's the very reason that indie comics exists, period. Publishers are really picky about who they let up. If you don't come up through their internship programs, you most likely don't ever become, you know, the Brevehorts or the Higgins uh, or the Andy Schmitz of the comic book industry that have edited on, you know, major properties and written on major properties throughout the industry, right? Uh, Even if you took through them, I mean, that's about as close as you could get from wherever you are, unless you live in that area, can do internships or come up through the company. Um, so you had to create your own opportunities. That's why, you know, we have Eighth Wonder and that's why we have, you know, Limitless Comics. That's why we have um, Divergent Comics. That's, I mean, take your pick. Um, right. Film companies especially is a, is a huge thing. Um, but, you know, I, I totally agree with that because if we could all do what we love, nobody would be aggravated, mad. Um, <laughs> of course, that would mean money doesn't exist, right? right. Everybody would like give what they need to survive and everybody would like pitch in community style kind of like how we used to um for those of us who believe in like humans 30,000 35,000 plus years ago or we're all kind of like camps and villages where we watched each other's backs and trees were as tall as mountains and shit but, right uh, but yeah man that's 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 kind of awesome and 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 this uh, inspiration um in its truest form, if you're genuine about it, people pick up on that, and it does inspire them. Um, lots of lots of uh, lots of things. Perfect example: my grandma passed away my after my first year of game design at Full Sail, and uh, it was cancer. Uh, she had it fourth Sorry time. That. That's okay, man. It's been a long time, but uh, she beat it three times before, and it came back even stronger. It was in like her stomach, her lungs, her brain. Like it was, it was the end. But I, I, I kind of like held on to this childish hope that she could fight it. So there was a guy um, who created something called the Phoenix Tear. Years ago, he was selling it in California. They said it was a scam and he was arrested and put in jail. But his memoir had like a bunch of different ways that you could fight cancer that pharmaceutical companies didn't agree with. And I just kind of because of my skepticism when it comes to corporatism and, and capitalism and even government. Well, it's like some of these actually sound legit and they're more herbology uh, fields than they were, you know, medical studies and herbology, as people will know, if you know your history or care to know your history with all the history being burned and torn down these days, um, was a huge proponent in like medicine throughout Greece and, and Native American cultures and mythology in South America, like herbs solved a lot of the things that natural medicine is concocted of today. And so I tried to I tried to explain to her that, you know, we can do this like I will spend every last penny. This woman used to fly in from Chicago 
to miss um, within 24 hours and surprised me when I was five year old. So it was like, I, I held on to this hope and she just kind of like explained, like, I didn't want this. So I switched to the writing program during my injury at work. Cause I was, I was in a, I was taking a sabbatical off was around the time that I had programming in, in game design. And I just decided to switch programs and I just chose writing as a way to give voice to all these sad things that I just don't agree with and things that uh, people you know, suffer silently through, through tragic moments like grandma four time cancer. Like, I know she's not the only person in the world who had cancer four times and then just decided to, to let, you know, nature take its course. But because of that, I created an entire, an entire comic series with a character based on South American mythology. That's uh, heavily invested on like kind of focusing on the pharmaceutical industry uh, and the corruption within even the capitalistic policies of government that, that regulate pharmaceutical industries. Cause I'm of the, I'm of the mind and, you know, I can get assassinated for this one day, whatever NSA is listening cares that we, we, we've, we've, we've botched this somewhere, or we have a concoction for fighting cancer somewhere in the world, uh, including in other countries where, you know, regulation doesn't exist you know, because the UN doesn't go that far, which is a lot of the reason the proponent for wars. I can't, I can't specifically tell you, but it's just it's my empathic ability to pick up on on the narrative and see the bigger picture. I feel right. like we have, we've we've mitigated it, and like like video games today, we've monetized those things. And so, if you believe in technology, like the government regulates technology, they have technology 10 years before they release it, they regulate it. And that's how they kind of control how civilization evolves. So it's kind of like that. And I created an entire comic series based on that character, which I have been seeding throughout, you know, the comic, the indie comic world. So I've, I finally got a character sketch. Um, he's making an appearance in Champions Comics and he's making an appearance in Advent Comics. Um, in their line and hopefully that makes a another appearance without having to pay the extra cost but um, because of her because of her story it inspired an entire an entire character arc that kind of like me in a nutshell if i were italian and south american <laughs> right I, no I, kinda, I get that for sure yeah so i mean inspiration genuinely getting back to my point, it inspires other people to create things. And that's just kind of how I express myself. And it's, it's nice to be able to see people who are, who are passionate about that same thing. Speaking about passion, um, what are some of the influences growing up in the entertainment industry or in comics specifically that, uh, that inspired you to kind of go down this path of, of creating all these different divisions of, of art and expression with music and comics? Um, and I was going to say, why not animation or film and, and instead of comics, but you kind of, you're kind of juggling all these different things around. Um, yeah. You, I actually you, did do an animated film. It's called the uh, pot Toria. It's on our YouTube channel. And essentially what that was, was like a story about these life forms that are found on a nug of weed. And basically humanity has reached like a all time low and people are killing each other left and right, et cetera. And then basically they try to see if humanity could coexist with these life forms on this nug of weed and shrink them down and put them on the nug. And they, the stoners mess it up and catch the nug of weed on fire and it gets everybody high and they calm down and stop fighting and they ended up saving the world anyhow. Um, and it's a, it's a cute little short, but uh, essentially, you know, I, 
I did kind of, you know, dabble in reading comics as a kid. I definitely remember, you know, grabbing a How to Draw by Stan Lee comic from the library and sitting there at the uh, the library table for like four or five hours trying to draw my own comic book. And wow. in sixth grade, a group of kids and I would like, you know, in our free period, basically write this comic. One of us. One of us would write it, one of us would draw it, the other would color it, and then color it and letter it, basically. And freaking at, at recess, we would like read the comic, take turns reading it. Um, and essentially, what really became the driving factor of, you know, trying to create these pathways that help other artists is I found dead ends a lot of the times with my endeavors trying something and it just felt like there was no way to do it and and you know it took a lot of honing of skill and just you know taking my time practicing and patience to really figure out where i was going with my creative endeavors and once the path was clear it just made everything else make sense and it was like oh that's why this went this way and that's why this went this way it's because you know i'm not necessarily doing these things just to do them or whatever i'm i'm doing these as a means to create these little breadcrumbs that i could just individually leave and you know plant seeds in these creative minds because like i said i believe by inspiring people to you know go and do something that they thought you know, because whatever reason they couldn't do it and then they go and try and they actually end up doing it and it becomes, you know, this phenomenal thing that everybody gets behind. It's like, yes, that's the whole point. <laughs> and uh, there wasn't there wasn't any like one title or specifically that you kind of grasp onto from like, you know, when you were younger or maybe like when you got older. I know like, so when I was coming up, my uh, my mom was with my sister's father and he was in and out of kind of like bands. He wanted to live that like rock and roll style life. And we kind of did here on the coast. And then we moved to Vegas for a few years and he had several bands with, you know, demo CDs and different this and got to go to live shows a few times. Um, we even actually played with, you know, three doors down's kids back here on the coast before they got real big. Oh, wow. Late. Yeah, that was it's really wild. I didn't even know this until I grew up. I was like, yeah, they used to come, you know, hang out with us and, and practice clothes warehouse that still had like all the and like a, a huge, like huge fucking piles of boxes and shit. And um we used to play in those boxes. I had no idea who those little girls were, but they ended up being like the kids of some of the band members of uh but like um getting back to the point. Um Yeah, your your question I, I kind of have a mental record of it. Um, okay. Yeah, you know, I, I can honestly say I don't really have that strong of an outside influence. Right. Um, it's all been kind of self-driven, like, hey, I wonder if I could do this thing. And then just kind of trying it and seeing where it goes. Yeah. And then that's where, you know, I was able to do a couple things that you know i thought i couldn't do and it 
it was because, you know, somewhere along the, the way somebody told me I couldn't do it. Right. And it was like, hold my beer, you know, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go and do it anyways. If I fail hold and fall on my face, it was worth it just to try, you know, even if I'm getting laughed at. And it's like, you know, I did get laughed at for a long time because, you know, I, I don't make the most sense when I'm trying to do something because, you know, I, I'm I'm working, you know, at one level, but I'm also thinking at like 5, 15, 16, 20 years from now and working for those things, too. So it's like I don't. I've, I've reached a point where I don't have like anything that I really watch or read, do, or like I try to as much as I can. And like, I have audiobooks that I listen to, but I don't have anything that I'm like, Oh yeah, that, I, I like that thing. I, 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 I'm a fan of that thing. I, I'm a fan of creating. I'm a fan of, you know, putting people in positions to do things that, you know, the world told them they couldn't do. Right. So basically, like, outside influences don't really affect your overall creative process. You, Like, Kaiju was, like you said, just one of those things. You're like, oh, this sounds really cool. I wonder if I could do something pretty awesome. And you put it all together, and it's, like, out there for the world to see. And it's like, I did that. And that's exactly that would be enough for you, even if, you know, people didn't like it. You know, one of the things, one of the things that stops people, and, and I, had a, I had a conversation with Justin Gray about this on the phone one day. One of the things that he talked about is that people just, they fail because they never, they never show up to the dance to begin with. And you can't, you can't expect to succeed if you, you know, put things out there and, you know, feel that that tension of fear of, of failing. And even if you do fail, you put yourself out there. He said that was an important creative step for a lot of people because it's going to happen in the industry. Like your every pitch isn't going to be the greatest. Um, every story isn't going to be the greatest story. Um, right. And, and, and the thing about failing is that's almost more valuable than succeeding because I mean, you know, the, the saying goes, there's no such thing as an overnight success because every overnight success actually took 10 years to make. Right. Um, and, and that's that's true. You know, those people who you see who are out there and big names and stuff like that, they have been doing it for years. And it wasn't until the right person seen it on the right platform and it, it got the publicity it needed to yeah. be in, you know, the now that it's on the level for instance the walking dead like Absolutely. you know that that would that would have never have gotten to the point it has gotten today if the media and everything else hadn't evolved with it to allow it to do those things right um and it's like you know at, at this point you know there's so many ideas that have been done and redone and you know at least in Hollywood, studios are scared to try original stuff because they they literally know, okay, Star Wars is going to sell, you know, toys, Happy Meals, whatever else. It's going to sell. Right. So, so they do properties that are going to relate to that. And, and that's where indie thrives because 
you know, we are brave enough to try something that nobody's doing, you know, and, and those stories deserve to be told. And that's why there's always going to be those creative forces (laughs) that just kind of keep the industry going as a whole. Yeah. It's actually kind of sad if you think about it. I've brought this up a few times with creators. I've had conversations with this about like Disney and Star Wars and Marvel. And even if you watch wrestling, like WWE, like Roman Reigns right now is their next rock. Now, I know that's kind of like to say because he's a cousin, but I don't think they did a great job in, in the early 2000s of breeding the next generation of pro wrestlers. Like, I don't think. No, because they had too much focus on John Cena. Well, just him and then, like, the politics. But, like, they didn't create enough John Cena's or enough Stone Cold's or enough Rocks to last the next 20 years. So, like, you're, you're reading the news and you're seeing all these, like, oh, well, WWE just released, like, 18 people or 12 people or 9 people or AEW's thinking about picking up a man. Or, and then, like, you look at Hollywood and you're like, oh, well, we'll cancel this project and this project's coming out. And now Star Wars has got this huge... Uh, Star Wars and Marvel has got this huge Disney Plus future, and they're just they're just pulling from from comics and and new storylines with the same people, and they're revamping the same things instead of creating like Justin Gray when he broke away from comics, created Spicy Pulp, and like the red bearded lady is like it's it's a huge into comic title. You put that into if you put that into film, knowing things like because uh, he has characters reminiscent of like some of the Guardians of the Galaxy characters that you see in the movies, whether they're background characters or not, like different colored aliens and all these different types of things. Like you put that in indie film, I, I bet you that thing would just blow out of the water. And like even if it didn't happen right away, give it five years and it'll blow up on like a streaming service, and then it'll, somebody will cover it like CBR and the next thing you know studios are like we want a sequel and they'll spend 400 million dollars it makes you know 1.2 billion around the world and all of a sudden spicy pops like the next big media thing but like like you said like nobody's willing to take a chance anymore and i think i think that's that because if you don't create new IPs then you know like where where are they going to be when you know 20 30 40 50 years from now when you have the next generation come up behind us and they're like i don't want star wars we've been doing this for over 100 years now we need something else like <laughs> yeah, I bet yeah. The, gas, the gas tank's gonna run empty totally true so, but um so surprise question probably weren't ready kind of loaded so take your time if you could work with any creator in the entertainment industry who would it be what would you work on and why? Ooh, so that's, that is a tough one. Yeah, I like to pop that in there every now and again. <laughs> I would it's have fun. to say it would be film working with Ditto Montel, who did uh, a guide to recognizing your saints with uh, Robert Downey Jr., Shia LaBeouf, Channing Tatum. That's actually the film that kind of inspired me a lot of the way to like get involved in film in general. Right. Um, and the reason being is because I feel like his ability to tell the story, it, it puts you there. You, you feel like you're a part of it. Right. Um, and I feel like that would be a really cool process and it would ultimately be a, f- like I've been working on this film for, 10 years now and it's 
it's more or less a coming to age type story telling about different youths and backstories and rough coming and stuff like that. And so I feel like that story would mesh well with his directing style. So awesome, man. That's, um, I didn't know Robert Downey Jr. ever did anything with Shia LaBeouf. I loved Shia LaBeouf in, you ever saw that movie that came out on Hulu? It won a bunch of awards. It's called uh, The Peanut Butter Falcon. That movie is amazing. That movie so is, is Honey pro- Boy. Oh, man. That movie is probably one of his best films ever. Even yeah, and working with Shia LaBeouf would be pretty interesting, actually. Um, but yeah, and it's actually interesting because Shia LaBeouf in that movie that I was just mentioning, A Guy to Recognizing Your Saints, actually plays Robert Downey Jr.'s like kid counterpart because oh, wow. it's like... Robert Downey Jr. is an author that's coming back to his hometown after he was super successful and everything's just gone to shit. And he's like trying to figure out, you know, different things that happened and stuff like that and trying to piece together this story. And it, it, it's just a really good tale. That's interesting, it's especially since, you know, we all know or everybody should know um, the six, the failure and success story of Robert Downey Jr., how he went to jail for for drug abuse and, and distribution and like Shia LaBeouf had his run, which kind of like, like pinged him from not picking up the rest of the Transformers series. Um, he had his run with like alcohol abuse and drug abuse and then like, depression. yeah, yeah, he was yeah out in Budapest nude with a bag on his head going <laughs> crazy. <laughs> it was, it was just the, the conflict uh, resolution both like his his youth not so far away removed from Robert Downey Jr's youth as I, I think is an interesting role I have to go look that film up and watch it it's pretty interesting I love films that make you feel anything as far as like empathy goes but also like kind of tells a story like the peanut butter falcon yeah you know? yeah Pace. the opening monologue from Robert Downey Jr in that movie just immediately grips you cuz he starts naming these people he's like yeah Giuseppe, Giuseppe, he's gonna die. Oh, this kid, yeah, he's gonna be dead too. But I feel like I gotta tell you about him anyways. So I can't remember that movie. There was a movie I watched a long time ago on HBO. I was like, God, like ten or eleven. Um, it was like it was like a mafia style movie. Um, it was it like focused on Italian Italian boys when like super young, but it was more like focused on kind of like how they grew up in the neighborhood they did. And the one ended up dying from like uh, some type of disease involved from like eating too much cheese. It's like some type of cancer. I wish I could remember the name of it. It was it was super impactful when I was growing up because because I came up in a rough family, had an awkward, unique, and, and somewhat rather abusive childhood, and it just kind of like hit it on the dot for you. But yeah, but a lot of the, a lot of movies back then used that whole narrative intro like The Sandlot. That was a huge narrative moving, uh, moving. Yeah. Sandlot kind of does a lot of like foreshadowing of abusive situations, but doesn't put it in your face. Yeah. Yeah. Not like the one that I watched is ridiculous. But all right, is there uh, is there anything you want to say about Kaiju mania as we wrap this up or any kind of social media or kind of like where you want to direct all the fan CT for, for, uh, for social media, like comic and eighth world wonder or eighth world comics. Yeah, so uh, first off, first and foremost, I want to thank everyone who has, you know, liked, shared, backed our campaign, as well as all the creators involved, you know, Travis, Pete, Phil, 
Chris, Greg, Ian, uh, so many. Um, I don't want to – Ignacio, Jerome, and the list goes on. Lee Reese, um, you guys all have been wonderful, and it's been great to work with you all. I hope it's been a project you guys all have enjoyed. Um, and, you know, visit the campaign. We got a lot of great rewards for you. We just added a couple more, such as, you know, sculptures of the kaiju that will be handmade out of clay. He, oh, wow. The artist is really great. They'll be imported from Mexico and shipped directly to you. Um, and there's a painting from Joe Tolliver, which I want to shout out Joe Tolliver. He, you know, donated the painting to our campaign, which is super awesome of him. And Ink Studios, thank you guys. Michael, thank you. Um, and, you know, hopefully we can get our goal and do this again next year with a different round of creators and just kind of keep the momentum going. Absolutely. And uh, we always we always love to help out on the Comics and Pop Dark podcast. It's kind of dispels the magic of production, whether it comes to comics, films, or entertainment because it is scary for a lot of new people out there and i would like to think a majority of my listeners want to create something in the arts or entertainment industry and this is kind of a place that we do it and highlight creators and give them the spotlight make them feel like superstars because it's not too far removed from getting mainstream you know media attention and and whatnot so thank you so much for coming on the show tonight man i appreciate you sharing with me your experience uh, your feelings and your thoughts Conversation is a rare commodity that everyone takes for granted on a daily basis, but we here at uh, Comics and Pop Tarts appreciate it. Uh, for more unforgettable guests and episodes like this one, visit comics and the letter N pop tarts.com. Leave us a five star review if you like the show, or leave us a voice message. You might be able to hear yourself in an episode of the show. Uh, don't miss my weekly newsletter, Comics and Pop Tarts. Dot com. Uh, so don't forget to get your kaiju creature fixies off by typing on over to ink.pub slash forward kaiju mania. Uh, it's got a little, little more than a week left to go, and we're almost to the finish line. Whether you're a fan of comics or you're a comic creator, Ink Studios has something for you. You can discover all of our live campaigns by heading on over to the gallery tab located on inkpub.com. And if you're a creator, go to the contact us page, fill out some info for us and a rep will get back to you on how you and your project become part of Inked family, just like Hydromania. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to the comics and pop tarts podcast. I'm your host, inevitable Mike. This is Alan Johnson. And uh, we're asking you to remain positive, think forward and creating. Now say that.